Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Here I Am podcast with Alexandra Nye. I'm your host, Alex. I'm an actress, a writer, a social media content creator, and I created this podcast for like-minded individuals who find themselves wanting to become the best versions of themselves possible in mind, body, and soul. Let's get started. Today, I am super excited to share an interview I did with my first guest, young adult author, Beck Medina. Beck is one of my favorite people to follow on social media because she has such a driven spirit to accomplish every goal she sets out to create. In addition to being a published author and owning her own publishing company, Beck is also a health coach, a podcast host, and a mental health advocate. I absolutely adore her energy and think you guys will too. In this interview, Beck and I talk about her writing process, her newest projects, how she lives her most present life and manifests the things she desires, and what it's like to be making a career out of social media. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and thank you for listening. So to get started, uh, today I have Beck Medina here with me. I met her on Instagram, and I think she drew my attention because she coached a friend of mine, but I'm going to go ahead and let Beck introduce herself. So Beck, first of all, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Um, Yeah, so I'm a writer. I'm a health coach. Um, Currently, my main focuses are um, writing fiction novels. So uh, currently, mostly young adult at the moment. And then as far as fitness coaching, um, I have a podcast called the My Best Life podcast that I'm a host of. And um, in addition to that, I do a little bit of one-on-one coaching and, you know, fun stuff like that. A lot of social media, uh, quote unquote blogging, I guess you could say is what I like to do as well on Instagram. I love that. And so would you say then, I mean, you have so many titles to your name, which I love. So are those your main form of income and this is what you do full time or do you have another job that you work at as well? Yes, that's a good question. So the majority of my income comes from one-on-one coaching, but I am also a, um, I'm a fitness trainer as well. I work at a CrossFit gym uh, a few days a week and that is kind of like the little I call it my spending money, essentially, is, you know, that's the money I use to get my nails and hair done and buy all of my spiritual books and stuff like that, you know. I love that so much. Um, So whenever people work online or make an income, you know, the number's not important to me whatsoever, but whenever people make an income in a way that's different from how society sets us up, you know, most people are told, you've got to go to college, you've got to work 40 hours a week for somebody else in this corporate gig for the rest of your life. Um, That's how most of us grow up thinking things are going to be. So I'm always so intrigued by people who pave a path in their own way. And so I think that's one thing about social media that I think has been fantastic is a lot of people have been able to grow businesses or, you know, do brand deals and stuff like that. So since you do this one-on-one coaching and writing, um, is that what you always wanted to do and what you expected to happen? Or did you see yourself, you know, kind of going that traditional route and then something changed for you? That's a great question. I mean, I have a few different responses for that. So first of all, I would say I've actually never really had a traditional job in the sense like working at a gym is like the first real job that um, I could say that I've had as far as like having a boss and coworkers and things along that line. 
um, I was always afraid to get jobs um, because I was worried about getting fired and just like these weird beliefs would come up about how like, oh, I'm not going to do a good job. And so I was like, my very first job was actually being a babysitter. And I just kind of ran with that for like seven to eight years, I think, when I first moved to LA. So in a way, I feel like I, in the, at the time, I didn't associate that with being like an entrepreneur or anything like that. But I mean, I was always, you know, kind of grinding in that sense of finding my own ways of making money that worked on my schedule and, you know, allowed me to, allowed me the freedom to get to do the things that I loved for, uh, as you know, like my passion stuff until that became my main source of income. So it's funny that you even like say that. So I guess, no, I never envisioned myself going a traditional route at all. I was like the kid who just lived in my imagination my entire life. And I kind of knew from a young age that I was going to move to Los Angeles and I was going to work. I wanted to work in the film industry and I also wanted to be a um, musician, songwriter. I mean, as a kid, I could talk forever about this. I have a whole podcast episode about this, I believe. But I mean, I, you know, used to pretend that I was like on TV shows and in movies and I would write movies and screenplays and I would write song lyrics all day long so like in my mind it was always like all right I'm gonna go off and I'm gonna be an entertainer slash creator um in all its forms I definitely didn't limit myself so when I moved to Los Angeles I was 21 and I had developed a passion for comedy and I thought that I was going to be a comedy writer and I was gonna like go into stand-up and then eventually I would weave into like screenwriting and things like that and I had kind of dropped the music stuff, even though I really, really thought that that was going to be the direction that I took in addition to writing. Um, but I ended up choosing acting instead, I think just because I was more immersed in that and I had a community uh, when I was in high school. So I ended up moving to Los Angeles at 21. I used college as an excuse to move, but I, I went to school um, at Cal Poly Pomona if you live in the LA area, then you know that's like 35 miles east or something like that. So I ended up moving to Hollywood and my, my goal was like, all right, I'm gonna go to school and I'm gonna do that. But my priority is going to be everything that I do in Hollywood. So I made sure I lived there instead, which ended up of course being like a terrible idea because I ended up dropping out of school um, and ended up like finishing online. But yeah, so I spent, a good, like almost 10 years um, working primarily in comedy. Um, I ended up doing like improv comedy instead and I just kind of found a passion there. And I dabbled in some other things, but ultimately I found that, and it was a weird transition because, you know, when you set your sights on something and you pursue it, and I had done it for like seven years at the point when I decided that it wasn't for me. So it was kind of like this, oh, am I a failure for deciding that this is not where I want to continue my career path. And then, you know, am I just giving up and like, you know, facing typical, I guess, existential stuff. But ultimately I realized, you know what, my passion is in writing and I think I do it better on my own. So I think I'm just going to work on, you know, some projects and see how it goes. And in 2016, I ended up writing my first novel um, after dabbling a little bit in short stories and you know, finally just decided to commit to writing that and putting that out there. And 
I guess I really, really loved it. And I love the experience of it. Cause like now that's, that's what I do. I've been doing that for the past almost four years. And, um, as far as the coaching stuff goes, um, that kind of came in a different way and please interrupt me if I'm talking too much at all. You I don't know. Not. No, you are great. I am jotting notes as you talk so I can okay. come back to some of what you say. So if okay, that's sure. let me know, but please keep going. <laughs> Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, as far as the health coaching stuff goes, that was something that I never really thought I would get into. I've always had a passion for fitness. I was never athletic as a kid. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually got into working out. And I had secretly always wanted to do it as a line of work, but I was terrified that for a lot of reasons, like terrified of public speaking in the sense of like, you're, you're the person, you're front and center and, you know, everyone has to watch and pay attention to you if you're teaching a class. And, you know, I was always afraid that I was going to be responsible for hurting somebody. So those like two things always kept me from actually like fully pursuing uh, that as a career. But, you know, I was babysitting, like I had mentioned, and I had built like a pretty lucrative career out of that. But I mean, at a certain point, it's like, I can't keep watching other people's kids and not progressing in my own life. So I ended up um, when I had joined a CrossFit gym, I felt super in love with the whole sport of CrossFit. And I got really, really into it. Six months in, I got my CrossFit certification and started training like an insane person, um, like shadowing coaches and taking on personal training clients and ultimately ended up um, not only like eventually ended up working at a gym that took a little bit longer just to build that trust at the gym that I uh, initially was a client at. But um, uh, taking on personal training clients, I ultimately... Um, ended up transitioning online, as you know, just because I felt like I wanted to help more people. I wanted to be more location independent. I didn't want to have to constantly be going from place to place to place. Um, so I ended up transitioning into that and I've been doing that for a little over a year now. That's that it. <laughs> so exciting. Um, you covered so many things that I want to dive a little bit deeper into. So like I said, I, I jotted down some notes. Um, hopefully I can keep this coherent. But first of all, what I love most about your story is at least on the outside, it doesn't really sound like you have let any barriers hold you back. Now, I don't mean that you haven't been scared or that you haven't tried something and, you know, maybe it's gone better than expected, maybe not as well as expected, but it sounds like everything you've really been interested in and put your mind to, you've gone after, which is phenomenal. I don't think a lot of people do that, especially after the age of 18, 19, 20. I feel like once we hit those college years, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I had to make up my mind about what I want to do with my life, so I'm not going to question it after this point. Right. Yeah. Which is sad to me, you know, because we're growing, we're all evolving individuals. And so it can be really intimidating at 20 or 18 to be forced to decide what you're going to do forever. And so yeah. I kind of want to go back to, um, your college journey a little bit because you, you know, and I relate to the LA part so well, <laughs> Cal Poly is probably very far away. Pomona, that's <laughs> quite a distance, but I love that you put yourself where the activities were that you wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. So do you think that college for you personally, um, 
was it a great experience? Are you happy that you did it? How do you feel about that knowing that, you know, you probably use a lot of what you learned, but you are not attaching yourself to a degree that you have. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, so first of all, I want to say that I am one class away from graduating. I don't even have a degree. Um, okay. Funny thing is like I ended up walking and I thought I had finished, but I guess because I didn't get my degree audited they like took away the one class that would have helped me pass and i'm at a point where i'm like i don't really care because i don't use this anyway um so what i will say is what i liked about it was and what i take away from college is that it allowed me to really focus for the first time in my life and actually prove to myself that i'm disciplined and intelligent I know that's a weird way of putting it, but, you know, growing up, I was so obsessed with writing and, like, doing my own thing. Like, I would come home from school, and I would immediately immerse myself in, like, you know, the latest story that I was writing or whatever, that I didn't really apply myself in high school, and ultimately, like, I was shocked when it was shocking, but it shouldn't have been a surprise when I applied to all of these like really prestigious schools and I didn't get into any of them. At first I was like, oh my God, it's because I'm such an idiot. It's because of this. And then I realized, oh, well, well, you know what? Your plan was never to go to college and take that route. You've always wanted to do this other thing. And you didn't like, I just didn't apply myself. And what I liked about college was that I think I kind of redeemed myself in the sense that I ended up graduating with like a 4.0 in like my final semester, which for me, that was like, oh my God, this is like proof that I'm capable and that, you know, like I am smarter than I felt when I finished high school. Um, and obviously I think college is great for people who do need to uh, get a master's or a PhD in order to pursue uh, whatever it is that uh, their end goal is like becoming a doctor or a therapist or whatever. But ultimately, like, I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't tell my children, you have to go to college unless you really, really needed it. Uh, I'm not an advocate of, you know, forcing my kids to do anything that they don't want to do. And I try not to instill this in other people's children at all. Um, obviously, but um, like my cousin, who is like a couple years older than me has three kids now and one of them is getting close to that age and I always want to tell her all the time I'm like school's stupid like don't even worry about it or like you don't have to go to college but then you know I'm like oh wait this isn't my child I shouldn't be parenting uh, and instilling my crazy opinions in any way but um, yeah that's probably my biggest takeaway and it did get me to LA um, I am grateful that um, what ended up happening was I was studying online and I really, really wanted to move to LA, but I was 21 and I didn't have a job and I was flat broke, just didn't have a lot of like income to get me there. So using college as an excuse to like, all right, I'm finally going to do it. And I'm going to like, you know, I had a whole plan, but what ended up happening was, and this was like my first real like manifestation experience was when I got into Cal Poly, I was um, accepted into the spring semester. So I wasn't starting until March. And so what I ended up doing was because it clashed with my online program, I ended up dropping out of that whole semester. And one day I just like randomly checked my account and I saw that I had $6,000. 
in my, um, as like money that I could take out from financial aid. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, what is this? And then I realized like, cause when I dropped out of the classes, I didn't realize that I would be getting anything back. I thought it would all just be taken away from me. But then suddenly I had $6,000 just sitting in my account. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. I'm moving to Los Angeles. And I immediately started planning it all right away. And I think this happened in like October, November. And like by January, I was moved and finally getting to start. Like, it felt like I was finally getting to start my life and finally getting to start what I wanted on my own terms. I love that story so much. <laughs> I love the idea of college as a catalyst, honestly, because Ooh. I grew up and I love my parents. I don't mean to speak, you know, poorly of them, but there was definitely this idea in our household where you go to high school, you go to college, and right after college, you magically are handed a job because you went to yeah. college. Millennials know that's not really the case anymore. And I know it's like a hot topic in society right now. But to me, it was just like, okay, whatever my other interests, whatever my goals and aspirations, college comes first and then those things happen. So it's so refreshing to hear somebody say, you know, I, I went to college maybe you didn't technically graduate, but little things like what you just described, holding someone back from graduation, like to me is already where the system is stacked against us anyway. Like that's so silly. Um, but you didn't hate your experience and it did other things for you. And so that's what I love hearing. Granted, you know, having to take out student loans for something to just be a catalyst. It's like, that's not feasible for everybody, but I love the narrative where it's like college is great for some people and it's not perfect for other people. So there needs to be this conversation where, you know, you're not forced to just go to school. So um, you did go to school though. And how did your parents feel about all of this? Do you have good family support if you're willing to talk about this or was it, if, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting because I feel like growing up, my family was always very supportive and accepting of what I wanted to do. Like I would say, oh, I want to be an actress. Oh, I want to be a film director. I wanted to be a writer whatever. And they're like, okay. And like, they just, it's like, I'm so grateful that I had family who was like, yes, that's awesome. That that's what you want to do. We'll support it. You know, they never questioned it. They never said like, that's not realistic at all. So I grew up with this belief that sure, it might not be easy and things aren't just going to get handed to me, but I kind of grew up with this belief that like, yeah, it could happen to me. And I think that's why, I mean, despite fears and despite, you know, you know, things holding me back, uh, ultimately, like, I just, it's not that I easily pursue things. I just kind of jump and I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to be okay because it's not even a matter of what I deserve and what I don't deserve anymore. It's just a matter of like, all right, this, the universe will support me is kind of like the attitude that I take. So I got very, very lucky. And I don't even think my family did that deliberately. I think they were just really uh, awesome and supportive. And I know a lot of people don't have that, but things kind of shifted when I moved to LA. My mom was not happy. Uh, I grew up with a single mom and we're very, very close. And, you know, later she admitted to me that she kind of felt like when I moved, it was like I was abandoning her, which, you know, totally sad. But like, I, it wasn't until she came out to Los Angeles for the first time with me having lived out there for a few months at that point, And she saw me perform in an improv show. And then she was like, okay, I think I finally understand why you needed to move out here and why you needed to do this. And she kind of like got like, hey, I'm not abandoning you, mom. It's more, sorry, this makes me a little emotional thinking about all of it. But 
I, she finally realized like, oh, this, she didn't do this to hurt me. She's doing this to finally pursue all of the things that she has wanted to do her whole life. And so now my mom and family, they're all very cool with it. Um, you know, I have my grandparents I'm very close to as well. And, you know, there was a little period of time where my grandma was like, all right, but like, when are you moving back? You know, cause I live, uh, my family lives about two and a half hours out from LA. So it was enough distance for there to feel like, you know, I'm gone and I'm not here. And I admit that I had moved to LA and I was by myself and I was lonely and I spent a good amount of time like being like, uh, like maybe I should get into like everything that they're saying and maybe they're right that, you know, like I'm not like I kind of came up with all these reasons why I was unfit to be out here and I'm in over my head. But ultimately I, I'm pretty fortunate in that like my family was very understanding and supportive and knew. It's almost like they knew like there's, I, it's almost, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I think they just wanted better for me. So they supported me. You know, it's not being a parent myself. I can't imagine the dynamic of your kids going away or choosing move. It's sad and it's hard. And I, I did the same thing with my parents, you know, I'm from Michigan. So when I was like moving to Los Angeles, bye, you know, they were like, okay, it's, it's not that you don't have our blessing. It's just, it's such a huge change for them. And so I think that's really powerful that you recognize that um, relationship with your mom and your grandma too, because not only was this an experience you needed for yourself and your goals, but because you're attached to them, it's an experience they had to go through with you. And so it sounds like everybody had to navigate it on their own. But I think it's so special that they got a chance to come see you in your environment. And then they understood what this meant to you. And then I think I'm sure in turn, you understand what leaving you know, meant to them. And now you guys can oh, together. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's, I ask myself that question all the time because I'm like, wow, I, I just left my family. Like, is that okay? And it can be really difficult to be away from them. So, you know, two and a half hours, that's still a distance. That's still time and, and effort. So I think that's really special that, you know, maybe every moment wasn't the easiest for everyone, but you guys found an understanding and worked through it together. Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and take a very short break so we can hear a word from our sponsor. So when you were talking about that story, you kind of mentioned, you know, how you were scared or you did feel alone or, you know, if something didn't quite go as planned, you kind of felt like a little bit of a failure. So um, to be clear, I'm not labeling you as any of those things (laughs) um, because I think you're so amazing. But how how do you deal with those emotions and feelings? And I know um, from the times we've talked and, you know, communicated on social media, you're, you're really internal. Like you said, you like to write and you like to do things on your own. So being someone who, who's a little bit more introverted, perhaps, how do you deal with those negative emotions when they come up? And what advice would you have to somebody looking to do something similar? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> You know, what's funny is I think, I don't know how subconscious or how deep it got when I was younger. I think it was easier to do things and like, kind of like not worry about fear. One, because we didn't have social media as 
in our face as we do now. So I think it was just easier to like not really focus on the opinion of other people. The only people I had to worry about were like my family and my friends. And most people didn't really say anything about my decisions. Um, and I think I was just dumber then, honestly, or I was not as in touch with my emotions then. I know that's like a weird thing to say, but I feel like it's a lot harder now for me to do things, but I still do it. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of it comes from, you know, feeling like my whole life, I've just always kind of known like, like spiritually, or like, I just knew that something deep down that I was meant for this one particular thing, or like, you know, I was meant for these certain things. And I never lost sight of my end goal or like of what I wanted. So for like right now, like becoming a best-selling author and having like my film, my books turned into films, like that is not an end goal, but it's like the goal, the bigger picture that I ultimately want to reach. And that's just one of them. And I think that whenever I'm feeling fearful or afraid in any way, I just remind myself like, hey, this is what you want and you're going to have to do things that are going to be insanely uncomfortable and they're going to freak you out in order to get there. And I remind myself of like why I'm doing it, how much, I don't like to say that I'm going to be happier in the future, but it's just that feeling of accomplishment and knowing like I set out to do something and like, I can't not achieve it. It feels crazy. At this point, it feels crazy to not achieve it. Um, for example, I recently hired a publicist, uh, which obviously like when you're making an investment in your career, like it all just feels like a crazy thing to do and you never really know what the return is going to be. So I felt like the one thing that was really keeping me from seeing more success, at least in the stories that I've uh, recently made was that I didn't have like media attention or like, you know, like this is the difference between me and a best-selling author is like, they have more media attention. They're being seen a lot more, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, I think a publicist is probably the best way to go. And I'm just going to try it. And I'm going to see what happens. And of course I was like, for weeks, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I just allowed myself to put it off. Like I was in contact with one publicist and I used the fact that, you know, she was going to be very, very expensive as a reason to like keep delaying things. And like, she was actually losing communication with me and I was like allowing it to happen and being like, oh, it's okay that we have to reschedule and all this stuff. So like in many ways, the fear is still very much there. It's more of like, you know, finally, like she and I kind of decided not to work together. Like something weird happened where we just stopped talking. And then this other publicist kind of came into the picture and I was like, you know what? I think I just need to bite the bullet and do it this way. And the offer that she presented to me was like so great. And I was like, I have no, like, I have to do this. So I just, you know, decided like, this is, this is it. All right. Time to do it. Um, and now I feel very excited because um, things are, you know, obviously it takes time to actually see things and have it to be realized, but I'm so excited because now I'm finally going to be like our, be witnessing the um the results of my decision to do this big thing that was totally terrifying financially and career-wise 
you know, I think I'm always afraid of failure and I'm afraid that I'm going to put all this work into something and it's not going to be a success in any way. Like this is going to be a terrible book. Everyone's going to hate it. I'm going to get all these bad reviews. Like, you know, things like that definitely will always pop up in my mind. But, um, I think you just have to do it. Like the only way that you can find out whether something that you want is meant for you or if you're ready for it is if you just do it. I think that's the best way to, the best way to put it. Um, I currently am studying NLP right now, which uh, for those of you who aren't familiar is uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like reading books about it right now. And if you're into like manifesting and affirmations and all that stuff, then you're pretty much already kind of doing it. What I like about studying it is that I'm currently listening to this podcast where this uh, woman breaks down language that people use when they submit questions to her, for example. And I, I just love that because it's allowing me to look at myself and evaluate and do a lot of internal work of like, all right, if I'm feeling this way, here is the language that I'm using. Let's break down the language. Like, for example, like in one of her podcast episodes that I listened to, she was like, uh, she read um, a question that someone sent into her and she broke down his language to the point where he was like, I never do this. He, like he like said, he never does something. And then she was like, the word, the words never and always, like when you use that in relation to yourself and your behavior is like, it's showing a lack of awareness because the terms never and always don't actually exist. Like the words that you actually want to use are like, I almost, or not, you don't want to use never, like I mostly do this or I rarely do this. Like, you know, develop, developing that awareness of like, all right, if I'm saying I'm always late, that's like me labeling myself as a naturally late person. I'm always late. But the reality is, is you're not really looking at the fact that you are probably mostly late for things, but there are probably many instances where you arrived on time or like super early or whatever. So um, I think really paying attention to the thoughts and the things that I say aloud, um, that helps me too, because I really, really want to become somebody who not so much isn't afraid of anything, but is less afraid or can kind of like process through all of that a lot faster and just do it anyway. Um, I'm not really there yet. Um, so, you know, in, that's just kind of like a suggestion of something that I've been working on recently and just really studying my language and my thoughts and allowing myself to almost reconstruct my entire like programming just kind of based off of stuff like that. So I know that was a very long winded answer, but. No, it was perfect. And it led me into exactly what I wanted to ask next, which is so um, you do a lot of work with manifestation as you just talked about, which yeah. is something I'm passionate about. And I love so much because I just believe that everything has an energy and gives off an energy. Um, so to you, this is kind of a two-parter with your book and manifestation. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Are you self-published or did you go to um, a publisher for your I'm book? Self I am self-published under my own uh, publishing company. It's called 1537 Press. That is so cool. So first I want to ask how you did that, but keeping it in the bigger picture of everything. Um, I love that you took the reins into your own hands and 
and you're doing the thing. So how do you measure success as someone who believes in manifestation and the energy that they're giving to the world and receiving? Um, you sound, one of my favorite quotes growing up uh, was, you can have anything, but you can't necessarily have everything. So that was what I always lived by too. Cause I was, you know, my parents were like, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, great. I can, I can have anything. Like I can do anything. Yeah. So you want to be a best selling author with, um, movies or TV shows made after your books. So even though that's your goal, is that the only measure of success to you or as a self-published author, are there other, how do you measure your level of success and how do you think manifesting has helped you with that? Oh gosh. Yeah. Those are exciting questions. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is something that I'm currently really trying to wrap my head around as far as like what is success. And I read this book, I believe it was a book I was reading that said, or no, I think it was just the podcast that I was listening, this NLP podcast, which I'll have to tell you uh, about. I can't even think of the name of it right now or the host name because it's pretty new for me. Um, but she said that success is kind of bullshit and you shouldn't uh, measure your life by success, but more by accomplishments or achievements. So for me, everything is kind of a milestone of like, all right, I've achieved this. Now it's time to achieve this. I've achieved this. Now it's time to achieve this. And I don't really look at anything like success anymore because when I think about success, I often attach my self-worth to it. I do this weird thing where I believe that, okay, I'm not a best-selling author now. I'm not super successful. Like I want to be like, I'm not good enough you know, all, and I start comparing myself to other people and it becomes a whole thing. And I don't really want to do that anymore. And I mean, what is success? It's so subjective. Everyone is going to have their own idea of, of it. Um, so for me, I would, I like to measure by achievement. And, you know, right now, I think the fact that I'm just really, really working hard technically as my own publishing company to put out my book in a way that. For me, I think a lot of authors, unfortunately, who are taking matters into their own hands and, you know, going out and self-publishing, a lot of them don't know what to do and they don't know what they should be doing. And ultimately, I feel like just thanks to other things in my life, like health coaching, you know, I had a business coach who taught me how to, um, you know, how to be a salesperson essentially and how to uh, establish connections with people that are meaningful and real. Like, you know, learning that stuff really, really helped because, you know, as a self-publisher, um, I kind of, I don't even look at myself as self-published. I'm like, I just also happen to own the publishing company that, um, that my book is on and it's my job to market it. It's my job to do all of this stuff. Um, so I think like, like once again, going back, the language is really, really beneficial in knowing like, all right, these are my responsibilities. Who can I enlist in to help me? I don't do everything on my own anymore, which I think a big mistake a lot of self-published authors do is they try to take everything on. Um, I have people who edit my books. I have people who proofread. I have people who design the covers. I have a publicist now, and I'm probably going to put some uh, some additional funds into uh, additional marketing too, once the time comes, but, you know, at the end of the day, as far as, um, I almost forgot how, what question I was answering. Um, 
I mean, like, as far as, uh, we'll go into manifesting then, um, just because I kind of lost, lost track, but, um, I guess what I would like to, how I would like to wrap that up is by saying that at the end of the day, if you're looking at just success, okay, now I remember what I was talking about. When you're looking at it as just success, you know, you could find success in the little things, or you can find a lack of it in everything, I guess is the best way to put it. And I'm choosing to like not see it in any way. And I just measure things by achievement. And that's made me a lot happier because it keeps me like feeling like I'm constantly growing. Whereas success is like, you're either there or you're not. And what a unfortunate way to live your life is to constantly chase feelings when you could just embody them now. And I just tell myself right now too, like I am a success. It doesn't matter what I've achieved or what I've done. Like I'm a success. Like every morning I write in my journals and this kind of weaves into the manifesting stuff. But every morning I saw this episode of Queer Eye in Japan, like when they're in Japan, where there is, uh, there's that, uh, the, the guy who liked to have that vision board up and he wanted to write down all of his goals and then Karamo was like, rather than writing down the goals, what I want you to do is I want you to write down who you are today. Like, what do you embody today? Like, I am kind. I am thoughtful. I'm productive. You know, like stuff like that. And I stole that from the show. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good idea. Because if you can take on what you want to create and, you know, say things like, I'm abundant. I'm, I'm a success. I'm thoughtful, I'm hardworking. Like if you can take those on and ask yourself every day, like who am I? And almost kind of be this chameleon in a way and just know that, you know, we are just energy. Energy is floating all around us. Um, you can be anything that you wanna be at any time. You can change at any time. Uh, that's just like, that's what energy is. Like we're a physical body and obviously that doesn't change so easily. But if you look at yourself in the form of like your higher power, like you are the energy or you are source or whatever, um, you you can be whatever you want at any point. You There's always time to change. So for me, every day I write in my journal what I am that day. And it's kind of based on what I want to accomplish and what I want to achieve. Uh, oftentimes it's, I am beautiful. I am a success. I am a best-selling author. I always write that down every single day, even though that's more achievement oriented. I think it's really important that I remind myself that I need to get into that feeling of, I already am what I want. Um, and I even like, even when it comes to financial goals, like right now I have a very specific financial goal that I want to achieve. So I tell myself, I am someone who makes this much already, even though it's not obviously existent in like the physical world. Like there are no signs pointing to the fact that I am that thing. If I can feel it, I'm a big believer that with manifesting, you need to feel what you want to feel and you need to let go of the outcome and what it is that you want. It's like this weird contrast of embodying it and feeling like it's already here and knowing that when you do that, it's going to come to you, but also letting go and being cool if you don't have it. And I think that's where people struggle the most with manifesting because it's hard to do both. Um, I can kind of use this as an example, like very recently uh, over the weekend, I was like, I need this much money. Like I need this much money, like right now. Like I tried everything of like, like, like feeling into it. And I felt like I hadn't 
done the work correctly. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to live my life and like, see what happens. Um, and then on, this was on Saturday. Then on Sunday morning, I like walk into the room. I'm at my family's house on Sunday and I walk into my mom's room and I randomly like see a check that is like, or a, a piece of mail that's sitting on uh, her table. And I look and I'm like, this is the check that I've been waiting for for like several months. And like, there was no timeline of when I would receive it. It was like, you're just going to receive it within 30 days of like me signing the contract, um, which I had signed it like a couple weeks ago. And I kept telling myself, I was like, this check is going to come to me and it doesn't have to make sense. Like they were, cause like they wrote it in fine print in the contract. Like we're only sending out these checks at the beginning of the month. Usually like they kind of like wrote, like made it like usually what happens is we send them out on the first Friday of every month. And I believe that it had already passed. So in my mind, I was like, Oh, it's possible that I'm not going to get this. But then I was like, you know what? Screw that. Like, I'm going to get this check just because I desire it and because I want it and I deserve it and I've already earned it. So let's say that this, uh, this instance, like this month, they didn't cut checks on that first Friday. Maybe this is the month where, you know, they ended up, ended up cutting it on a different day. Like I don't have to know what's going on behind the scenes. All I have to know is that that is what I desire and that is a possibility for me. And I'm just going to lean into that idea and be excited about it. So I walk in on Sunday and this check that I've been waiting for is like sitting there for me. And like, there is obviously no sign that it was going to come, but it came to me. And what was funny is that I didn't know it was there because one, nobody told me. And two, I wasn't in town on Saturday to have received it. It like got sent to my mom's house of all places. So I know that I'm able to manifest what I want. And I did manifest it on that Saturday. I was just blocking myself because I kept focusing on, on all these other ways that I was going to make it. I wasn't just allowing it to come to me. Um, so when it comes to manifesting, I'm a big believer. I think you just need like two or three things. You need to have complete trust that what you want is come. Hey, I don't know if you can hear me, but I just lost you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, cool. I didn't know the message. Right. That was, I, think that was, I think that was me on my end. Okay. It's okay. Um, shoot. You were saying something so amazing and I just want to see if you can repeat the last part of it. Do you remember where you were at? Sure. It was like a few things. There were like a few things that you need yes. for manifesting. All right. So I'm a big believer, like there are only a few things that you need in order to manifest. And this can be anything that you want, the belief that you can have it, and just that knowing that you can have it. Um, feeling like you, like it's already there, I guess those kind of go together and just kind of like letting go and enjoying life and not even worrying about it, not even thinking about it. Because all the times that I have created things that I've wanted, uh, they've always come as a surprise. I've never... I don't think there's ever been a way that I've received it that made sense to me. Like, it's always been like, how did this happen? This shouldn't have happened. And it always comes when I decide to let go and not worry about it anymore, which I know is a very, very difficult thing to do. And it comes 
you know, like I've noticed that a lot of when it comes to money, especially when I manifest things, it always happens in ways that I expect it to, even if I don't really know how it's going to happen. Um, and I'm trying to teach myself to let things come to me that are unexpected. So that is actually something that I am working on. So when it comes to manifesting, um, a lot of it is journaling what I desire, trying to embody what it is that I, who I need, to, who I think I'm going to be when I receive that thing. And um, yeah, just kind of going from there. Um, another thing that I think is really important is letting go of all of your limiting beliefs. Um, and that does require you to really have to understand what it is that's keeping you. Like if you haven't received something that you want and it's not instant, it's probably because you have a block of some kind and you really need to ask yourself. Like for me, I have, you know, there are just times when I'm not receiving what I want and I stop and I ask myself like, why don't I believe, why do I believe that I don't deserve this? And I, talk myself out of it of like, all right, I don't believe that I deserve this money before these reasons. All right, well, that's not true. Here are the reasons why I deserve it. And I try to just get into a better feeling, like embody better feelings around that thing, because the only way something is going to come to you is if you feel good about it and you believe that you deserve it. So you're going to have to do the really lame work. I call it lame work because it just never feels good to ask yourself why you don't believe you deserve something and to really get into the vibe of, into the vibe of, vibe of it, vibe of it. But I think what's really important is if you want to create a life for yourself, like for me, in order for me to get what I want um, out of my career and out of my life in general, um, in order to get what I want, I have to clear those limiting beliefs every single day. Otherwise, things are not going to progress and I know I'm going to get stuck. So I'm going to have to do it. And I actually recently went through like a weird depression state or a really highly anxious state where I think I was, I was getting things done, but I was living so much in like pain and sadness that I know that I could have been more productive and I could have been manifesting a lot more. I just was allowing myself to feel bad if that makes sense. And the purpose of manifesting is to feel good all the time. Not all the time, obviously, you can't feel good all the time, but feeling good most of the time is the goal. I love that I'm interviewing you because you have so many wonderful things to say. Um, that story about that check showing up for you. And you mentioned what's so important is a lot of people, I think like when I talk about manifestation, people are like, oh, you just believe you can make something appear out of thin air without trying. And I'm like, no, yes and no, <laughs> you know, yes and no. But no, I don't expect to snap my fingers and money to just rain from the sky. That's not quite it. But it's like you said, you knew you had earned this check. You had put in hard work. You'd signed a contract with somebody. You knew the money was yours and that you deserved it. And then it showed up in a moment that you needed it. And what I think is so powerful about that is, um, like you said, it's your attitude change. It's the just perception of the situation. It's not like you went out and drastically changed your life or did anything super significantly yeah. different. It was just a mind change. Now, um, I know you're familiar with uh, Abraham Hicks yeah. um, and their work. So have you read um, The Laws of Money and Manifestation, I believe is what it's called? I have. 
I okay. have. I don't know if I finished it, but I know I own it and I have Ask and It Is Given too. And I kind of, um, with a lot of those books, I think with Abraham Hicks particularly, they're very heady mm-hmm. and it gets a little, if I sit with it too long, I start to get confused and frustrated. So I kind of like, I do this thing with books, especially books that I've already written or, or I've already read where um, I'll just kind of like open it. And I learned this from an author who said like, here's a way that you could read my books. I just kind of like go into my Kindle app and I'll open the book and then I'll close my eyes. I'll put my hand on the little direction thingy to um, like, I'll close my eyes and I'll like kind of like feel the energy of like, where, what do I need to read today? And then I'll just stop where it feels right. And it like always gives me something like sometimes it's so spot on of like what I need to hear that I get really like freaked out. I'm like, whoa, this was too much. Um, but like, that's kind of how I read a lot of those books just because I do enjoy them a lot and I think they're useful, but I think you could find yourself getting frustrated if you're reading this book and trying to manifest or create stuff. And sorry, can you hear that? I can. Is everything okay? Yeah, I think my grandparents, I'm at my grandparents' house. Okay, right okay. No, I, yeah, things, you're okay. I think it's like a regular weekly uh, thing, whatever. It's not important. All good. Um, I agree with what you're saying. And I actually, so it's so funny. My, the first book I ever read that got me into self-help manifestation, um, transcendental meditation, like all of this stuff, um, that was what the author said to do too. So he wrote this little book and then it came with this accompanying book. And he was like, essentially don't stick to yes or no questions. Close your eyes, ask this book a question and then open it to a page. And that's how you should digest this material. So I love that I'm not the only one who does that. Um, I read Abraham Hicks books and I completely agree. I was like, you know what? This one's a little heady, but the one thing that I got from the money one specifically, which you talked about so perfectly, um, they mentioned this example. They were like, take out a hundred dollars cash, just a hundred dollar bill and carry it around with you. Yes. So when I read it, my first, I was like, I I can't pull a hundred dollars out of my debit account. Like I'm going to need to spend that. I mean, I can't just carry it around with me. Um, but I was like, you know what? I have 20 bucks in my wallet. So I'll just, can I do this with a $20 bill? Sure. And the whole idea of it was just, you walk around and anything that you can buy with that $20, you just look at yourself and you're like, I could buy this. Thank you. And so I did that all day for like 24 hours. I mean, not really, obviously I slept, but I did it with everything. I was walking my dog around the house and around the block. And I was like, look, we could buy this cookie. We could buy this. And at the end, nothing had changed. My $20 hadn't multiplied in my pocket, but my mind was so different. I wasn't worried about the bills. I wasn't worried about what I could or couldn't do. I wasn't worried. You know what I mean? And it was just, I felt so much lighter. And then the next day I too got money in the mail where I was just like, oh, I didn't expect this money. And it was some Instagram partnership I had did. They had already paid me. So I thought it was done. And they were just like, hey, we know it's been a few weeks, but you did a great job. We just wanted to send this as an additional thank you. And I was like, oh, wow. What? Like, I was like, I did not expect that at all. And so it was amazing. And I was like, wow, I already had this $20 on me. Didn't spend it. Didn't do anything with it but I just changed how I was presenting my energy to the universe. And as soon as, like you said, I removed that barrier that I had created, the, the you know, I, I think for me sometimes it's like I grew up poor, so it's a safe spot to be in because I know what it's like. Now I don't want to be there. I don't want to have money problems, but I've always had them. So it's an attachment to who I am. I've and- had the same thing. Um, I grew up in this family where, 
it was almost like when my when we would get money, we would go out and spend it right away. And Mm -hmm. then we would kind of live in this period. And sometimes we wouldn't, it would just all go to bills or whatever. And we would just kind of spend this period of time feeling like we're suffering because we don't have anything. Um, So I think I kind of got used to that. And I spent a lot of my adulthood living that exact life. And, you know, you know, I don't like to like talk a lot about it just because you know, my mom is involved too, but you know, like she got fired from a lot of jobs. We got evicted from a lot of places growing up. Um, so I, you know, there's so many instances when I was an adult where like, I was really close to getting into those positions too. And it wasn't until I made that decision of like, you know what, this is not my reality anymore. Like I can't live like that. I forgive myself for, you know, living in that fear, that fear, that sense of scarcity, like there's not enough, but I'm choosing to move on from it. Um, I'm grateful that I learned from that experience. So like that experience was not, you know, suffering, maybe in the moment it was, but now I can look back at it and I know what it's like to suffer, but I know that I don't have to live like that anymore. Um, And it's just your vibe. It's just a matter of deciding that, you don't want, it's really just a matter of deciding you don't want to suffer anymore, I think has always been my perspective of it and deciding that money can be your friend, it can be something that feels really good, and it can supply you whenever you need it, and it can take care of you, and you know, just like your example, like it can come in the most unexpected ways, but you have to be willing to receive it. Um, money can't, or things can't come to you if you're not available for it. Um, I can't think of who says this. Um, I took a course on, uh, on money and manifesting and it was essentially just heal your relationship with money and you're good. Um, not, that's not the whole course, but a lot of it was like, you're, it was just a lot of healing, a lot of wounds. Um, but the uh, teacher of that course was like, money wants to come to you all the time. Like it always wants to make its way to you. You just need to be available for it because there's just an endless amount of abundance in the world. And we're all just blocking the things that we want from coming to us because, you know, a lot of us don't believe that we deserve it. We don't believe that things can come to us that easily. We don't believe that, um, it's realistic in any way. Like once we can release those beliefs and decide that anything is possible and you know, you can have anything you want, maybe not everything, but anything, then you'll, your life will change dramatically. Even if you're not getting windfalls of money, suddenly life can get easier. I think in my opinion. I love that. Um, going to segue just a little bit here so we can make our way towards the end, but this has been such an enlightening conversation. So you've talked a little bit about what 2019 looked like for you, uh, but maybe we could go a little bit deeper into personally, professionally, whichever, or both. Um, What did 2019 look like for you? What did you learn from what happened? And what do you, what are you manifesting for 2020 for yourself? And how are you going into the new year? And is the new year even a big thing for you? I know some people love resolutions and others don't care. Yeah. um, 2019 has been interesting. It's been a period of And, you know, I had a lot of things happen in 2018 through 2019 that I felt like 
I guess I needed it to grow and I chose, like, I, I, I'm a big believer that we create our experience. Obviously you probably feel the same way. So I'm like, all right, I created this and I needed to grow from it in some way. And I just couldn't figure out why or like what I'm here to learn right now. And ultimately I think 2018 was the year that I decided that I wanted more for myself. And I kind of felt like at the end of 2018, early 2019, I had lost it all and I had to rebuild in a way. Um, but I think what it was really about was learning how to still love myself. Like, first of all, learning how to love myself because I did not know how to do that. Um, learning how to love myself, learning that I deserve to have what I want just because I want it, not because I've earned it in any way. Um, that's really big. And being okay with not exactly being with where I thought I would be or letting go of the comparisons. It was a lot of like internal lessons. And I think at the core of it, um, I needed to learn how to love myself. And I don't think that I would have been able to experience that had all of these changes not taken place in my life. Um, so for me, I really want to continue that. And career-wise, I feel like, um, you know, I went a few years working on this book and it's finally being released. So I feel like a phase of my life is finally, like and now I'm kind of transitioning into this next phase where I'm kind of like letting myself be more free in what I create because I used to think that, oh, I had to put out a book every single year and that automatically made me feel like a failure because I spent more than three years working on this book. Um, but for me, it's like, I think I just want the freedom to be able to create what I want and knowing that I have an audience of people who like my, who like to help me or help me realize my dreams, I guess is the best way to put it. But I have an audience of people who like me for me and they are going to want to buy or, you know, check out what I do just because they like me. It has nothing to do with what I'm giving them in the sense that, you know, if I, I have to put out a book every single year, so people remember me. So I kind of had this like mentality in my head where now I'm like, you know what? I think I can just kind of put out things and people will appreciate it because it was made by me and it doesn't really matter necessarily what it is and that's okay. So 2020 is kind of going to be the year of me exploring that. So I have like a poetry book that also might be an a, like music in some way. Um, I'm kind of returning a little bit back to songwriting and, you know, that's always been a passion of mine. So I kind of want to check that out and see uh, what that might bring. Um, so I'm doing that early next year. Um, I might, I'm working on a short story that is going to be published by a friend of mine's uh, publishing company. So I'm working on that. And that is a horror story. So um, it's been fun to write something different, but still a young adult. And I get to like pull from uh, a genre that I've always really loved, but now, you know, and make it young adult. I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm going to work on that. And the fact that I know it's not coming until next year helps me a lot in just being like, all right, just create it and don't worry about anything else. Um, I think I'm going to put out my own short story next year in addition to my novel that I've been working on. But a lot of it is all like 
okay. It's okay to take time on things. You don't have to push out a bunch of stuff all at once and force things and, you know, just kind of be free and enjoy life is kind of what I'm hoping 2020 brings for me. Yay. I love that. Um, did you set out to have your own publishing company when you wanted to be a writer or is that part of the process of being self-published? Um, so the reason why I chose the publishing company was because when I published my first book, it automatically, and I didn't, I just didn't know about these things at the time. It automatically listed me under, uh, the website that I used to publish it. Um, I, that was my publisher, which is called create space. And I just kind of felt like that was a little amateurish. Like, I don't mean to knock anybody who has work done on there, but I think, when you see create space, at least among writers, you kind of know like, oh, this person self-published their story. And, you know, I just didn't want to seem like, oh, I'm just this self-published author who doesn't, uh, who, you know, like got rejected or like, I just didn't want to bring up the stigmas of self-publishing. And I really wanted to, I think it's kind of been a mission of mine to prove that you could be a bestseller and you can do really, really well without the help of other people. Um, and I think I've always just been good at doing things on my own and making my own stuff happen. Um, I just, you know, not to like be full of myself or anything, but I just don't let other people tell me that I can't do something that I don't want to do. Uh, that was pretty problematic when I was in comedy. I felt like people never saw who I was as a writer and what I could bring and the talents that I had. And they always kind of pushed me into like a follower mode instead of acknowledging that like, you know, I could be a leader too. Um, so like, that's why I became a writer, you know, publishing my own books. Cause I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to show you that I can actually do this and not necessarily like I can do it better than you, but more like, Hey, let me prove to you what I can do or just prove to myself what I can do. Um, yeah, so with that being said, I started 1537 Press just so I didn't have create space, but there was a lot of intentionality behind it of like, this is my way of proving to people that self-publishing isn't a joke. I chose to do it because I like to do things my way and I don't like to have my creative freedom taken away from me and I like to do things on my own timeline and I don't, you know, I just wanted to be I don't want to say success, but I wanted to be something or I wanted to make something of myself without um, having to go the traditional route or wait for others to tell me when it was okay. I think that's amazing and incredibly powerful because I think everyone's capable of, of doing anything that they want. And it's like you said earlier too, all you have to do is do it and just put yourself out there and make yourself available. And sometimes it can just be such an arbitrary opinion when you let other people dictate what you get to do and how you get to do it. Because yeah. all of this stuff is an arbitrary measurement anyway. So it's like, if you have a story you want to tell, you deserve to put it out in the world. I believe you should put it out in the world and you did. And so that's incredible that you just, you were like, I'm going to make this happen no matter how I need to. And it sounds like it's been amazing. 
Um, and I, I don't think I've actually talked to you about this just one-on-one, -on -one, so I'll just say it publicly. Um, I own your ebook, but I had pre-purchased the bundle. And so I know you've had issues getting the hard copies sent out, which is totally okay. But I just want you to know that I have not read the ebook because I am a hard book person. Um, I love them. And so, and because I follow you and keep up with your journey, it's like, that's like the golden ticket to me. That's the copy that I'm really, really wanting. Yeah. But I've watched your process for so long. And I think it's just been incredible that you've just, you're like, I want to do this. So I'm doing it. And there have been roadblocks. There have been hard things. There have been complications. And every single time you're just like, you know what? I'm learning and this is how you learn is you do it because at the end of the day you can sit on your couch and say I want to be an author I'm gonna publish a book I want to do this and you know I say this to all my friends I'm like sis that's great that you want that so what are you doing to make it happen because you can sit here and want it until you're blue in the face but if you don't take action it will never happen for you and so I think that's one thing about your story that I find so incredible is it's just you want it and you make it happen you know, and again, that's so easy to say out loud. It's not that it's been without challenges, but you saw it and you wanted it and you've made it happen. And I'm so excited to get to know these characters after watching you, you know, your drafts. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to, you're going to be the first person that I tell this to, but I have written three, I think I have posted this on social media, actually. I've written three different drafts of this book. Like three completely different novels. So I guess in a way I wrote three novels in the past three years, but something told me, I was like, this story needs to be told. Like, I don't know why I keep, not only did I stop writing it for, for a while and I started writing a different book, but like something kept making me go back to this world and these characters. And I think whenever I hit roadblocks, like, you know, feeling like the book wasn't ready, as far as writing it or, you know, like I actually had a situation where I couldn't pay the editor who I hired to write the book. And I almost looked at that as a roadblock of like, oh my God, does this mean that I can't, I can't get what I want because I can't have it professionally edited. Um, and you know, like with the pre-order, like all of this like shit kept coming up. Hopefully it's okay if I cuss on your show. Um, all this stuff kept coming up. And I was like, every single time I kept telling myself like, is this because it shouldn't happen? But Gabrielle Bernstein, who's probably like one of my favorite spiritual slash personal development people, she's what got me into personal development. She has a chapter in her book, The Universe Has Your Back, which, you know, I won't go into it, but that book changed my life. Um, she has this quote that is, obstacles are just detours in the right direction. So I feel like everything that I perceived as bad that happened leading up to the release of my book, I feel like my book was meant to be released at this time. It was meant to have been done in the way that I'm executing it now. And if I had released it in August or any other time, like I wanted to, it would have been rushed and it wouldn't have been the highest quality and it wouldn't have been that great. So I'm actually really grateful. Like in the moment, it all felt maddening that you know things weren't going my way but ultimately I feel like now the book is finally going to get the release that it deserves because now all this love and care had gone into it as a result of like all of this shit happening and you know it just goes back to every time something comes up I just remember why I'm doing it and I fight for that I guess at the end of the day.
That is so cool. You are really awesome. Um, I'm going to ask you one, thank you, closing question, and then we'll segue that just into closing where you can share where people can find you, how to keep up with your um, releases and all of that stuff. And I will also type out your information so that anyone listening can find it um, in the story. So my last official question for you um, is what is one thing that you absolutely love about yourself. Just one thing that makes you so proud. I like to end things on a really positive note and I like when people can do self compliments. So it can be anything. I think I like, I guess what we've been talking about. it anyway and I'm really proud that that's something that I've never lost did it mess up it did I'm so sorry um so the last thing that I heard because I just want to make sure that it recorded it was you started with I guess what I like is what we've been talking about um what I like about myself is pretty much what we've been talking about this whole podcast where when I want something I go after it um you know, and I'm not someone who, like, I'm not fearless in any way. I'm, I definitely give in to my anxiety and all of that stuff quite often, but I, I do love that I do push through it, and I always come back to, almost like I come back to my power in a way, and, like, remind myself, like, who I am, like, I'm getting to a point where I can say, like, I'm Beck fucking Medina, and it actually means something to me, um, yeah, I think just knowing what I want out of life and fighting for it is probably the thing that I love the most about myself. I love yeah. that about you too. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Okay. I appreciate you so much for taking time out of your day to make this happen. I think we got so much good material that I will probably want to come back and really narrow in on certain parts of this. So um, I'm going to let you close however you want. And like I said, for the listeners, I will write this information out so they can find you. But where can we find you on the internet? How can we keep up with you? Um. So I am primarily and almost always on Instagram. So you can find me at Beck Medina, just my name on Instagram, where I'm posting stories all day long. Um, Then the second place you can find me, I mean, I'm all over social media, but you can check out my website, beckmedina.org. So you can check out my books and uh, everything that I'm doing there. And you can learn a little bit more about me. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I don't really post anything. But if you want to add me on Facebook, you can. Um, I'm just facebook.com slash Beck Medina if you're more of a uh, Facebook user. Um, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it. Uh, you can add me on Spotify too. I'm really big on, like, I love Spotify so much and I put all my playlists on there that I use for like music and stuff like that. So if you're into checking out new music and stuff, you can add me there as well. Just Beck Medina. <laughs> I'm, I'm always just on, I'm on Instagram all day long. So that's probably the best place where people can reach me, honestly. Perfect. I will definitely include that for them. Um, and I'll link your podcast as well, since I know that you have a podcast. Oh, right. Thank you. Obviously. Yes. Um, okay. Thank you so much again for coming. Thank you for having me. I've had so much fun. Yay. If you guys enjoyed this episode of the Here I Am podcast with Alexandra Nye, 
Uh, please feel free to share it with your friends. Leave me comments, messages. If your app supports comments and likes, then rating the podcast and leaving a comment is super duper helpful for me. And as always, my two biggest platforms that I'm a part of are Instagram and Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at alexandra.nye. That's alexandra.nye. And you can find me over on Facebook at Alexandra Nye. So either one should be easy enough to find. And that's where you can keep up to date with everything that I'm doing. My book releases, uh, the nutrition training, the makeup, any of that. It's all Instagram and Facebook. Thank you guys so much for listening today.